Hi, and welcome to the Trail to Austin, the place to get to meet the people of Austin, find out how they became the people of Austin. I'm your host, Bob Morse, and sitting across town enjoying the uh, beautiful weather is my co-host, Joel McCall. Hello, Bob. How are you doing today? Good. Have a nice spring day today, or a little cool, but certainly sunny. Well, I'm sure this will come up in our upcoming conversation, but I have family in Minnesota, and I Ah. would like to tell them it's 65 degrees right now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, My mom is still up there. Is she? (laughs) Nice. Well, so you guys have been hearing all about the uh, crazy real estate market going on here, and so we figured this guest, it was a perfect time to uh, have him on. Uh, He knows a little something about real estate, and we'll get to that, and we'll get to all the crazy stories about everything that's going on, but let me introduce Chad Goldwasser. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Hey, pleasure to have you. Yeah, it's a gorgeous day in Austin, Texas, as usual. I like to say that. It's a gorgeous day in Austin, Texas. Aren't we lucky to be here? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but... Um, you know, sometimes we see the um, the uh, people say, you know, they didn't realize it was hot so long here. But then when it's not hot, it is beautiful just every day. Yeah, perfect. Well, I figure it's God's apology for August. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, truth. <laughs> so, so, Chad, tell us a little about your background, where you grew up, you know, how you got yeah, here. so uh, thanks, first of all, for having me on. Super excited to be hanging out with you guys. It's great to meet you. Uh, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, right outside in a little town called Apple Valley. Uh, so the opposite of Austin, Texas weather. Right now up there, they're snowy and, uh, you know, 28 below wind chill and uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. So uh, I grew up in Minneapolis. I had a great time there. I loved it. Uh, but when I was 21 years old, a friend of mine, a woman that uh, I had grown up with and uh, dated for a long time, moved down to Austin, Texas. And I had no idea what Austin, Texas was. And I was asked by her within about six months of her moving down here if I would be interested in moving to Austin, Texas. And I was like, um, no idea what that means. No idea what Austin, all I could, all I could envision was tumbleweeds and steer. And, uh, I came down for a visit. One of my passions besides real estate, my kids, my wife, etc., is music is live music. Like I am a passionate music fan. And so I came down and visited Austin, Texas, uh, learned that it was the live music capital of the world. Uh, saw more about what it was all about and decided to move down here. And it was the absolute best move that I ever made in my life. I love it in Austin, Texas. Uh, I have been here now. I am 48, so 27 years. Excellent. You know, Bob, I think it would be a little aside here. It'd be interesting to go back through all our guests and see how many people moved here because of someone of the opposite sex. Yeah, true. (laughs) And then an amazing a number lot of them. Of, pretty high percentage, I'm sure. An amazing number of them that that isn't their primary job still have some kind of connection to music in this town. You know, even Absolutely. if they don't yeah. perform or host or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. So t- 
tell us, um, you know, kind of what were you doing when you first got here and then how'd you get into the real estate game? Yeah. <clears throat> I grew up thinking at five foot 11, 190 pounds that I was going to be an NFL football player. <clears throat> Didn't come to fruition. <laughs> However, uh, what did come to fruition is I started working in wet restaurants. Uh, my first job was a Subway sandwich maker when I was about 14 years old or 15, some when they let you work back at, at that age. And then I got into different restaurants and I started cooking and I, I loved cooking, sauteing, cooking in Italian restaurants, not just flipping hamburgers, but uh, cooking nice food. And I ended up working uh, with a company called Friday's. And they wouldn't let me out of the kitchen because I was a good, reliable cook. So I wanted to be one of those guys that, you know, flips the bottles and, you know, I wanted to be the bartender because they were having the most fun. They were making the most money. They got to meet the girls, etc. I ended up working at, they finally let me out of the kitchen and I worked at Fridays by the Mall of America in Minneapolis. And I loved it. I was passionate about it. I had so much fun working behind the bar, making sure everyone's drinks were good, that the music was right, that the energy was good, that the attitude was good. And uh, I had so much fun doing that. Uh, however, as I said, someone asked me to move down here and, and therefore I did. When I got down here, I, was, uh, I went to the University of Texas trying to finish up my, my college career. And I got a job at a place called Trudy's. Because Fridays down here wasn't as big of a deal as it was up in Minneapolis. Trudy's was a pretty big deal, though. If you, know, if you don't know Trudy's, Mexican martinis, amazing Tex-Mex food, awesome place. So I started working in that restaurant business. And I had this feeling internally from the time I was about 14 years old that I was going to be successful. I, I thank God for that, you know, that I had this internal thought that I would be successful at something. And for... The longest time I thought it was going to be coming a restaurateur, you know, I was going to open restaurants. I was going to, you know, that was going to be my gig. As I worked at Trudy's, they asked me to become a manager after I was bartending and I would go in at five o'clock on a Friday night and I would leave at three in the morning on Saturday morning or three, 3 a.m. Saturday morning. And I realized that was not going to be conducive to the kind of family life that I wanted to live. I had just bought my first house. Uh, I was 22 at the time. $82,000 is what I paid for my house. It was right at the corner of Ben White and 35, right behind the Motor Mile. Uh, beautiful little 1,500, 1500 square foot house, four bedroom, two bath with an in-ground pool on a quarter acre lot, 10 minutes from downtown. That house now is probably going to sell for a million before too long. However, I slowly realized that I was going to need some something else uh, to do for a career that wasn't going to be that kind of uh, restaurant life. So I started looking around. The first thing I found was an awesome business that a gentleman introduced me to. I had no clue what Amway was. And so <laughs> I got into this business. If you don't know what Amway is, you're a lot younger than the three of us. But it was this, it's this multi-level marketing business. And I thought I was going to kill it. In a year and a half in that business, I was still working full-time at Trudy's. I was not financially successful. I realized what a, um, how much people did not like that business. And therefore, um, I was... So, I did...
my wealth through investing in real estate. I was 24 at the time, 20, 23, sorry, 23 at the time. And I told my then wife, um, I'm going to get my real estate license and we're going to start investing in real estate because the reason I wanted to get my license was because I wanted to know more about the process. Well, it was 1997 and the market was cranking. And I sat in this room with a hundred other people up at 183 and Mopac in a little a place called the Austin Institute of Real Estate. And I looked around at these hundred other people in that room. And I thought to myself, if they can sell real estate, I for surely can. So I got into the business and, uh, you know, six months I'm on the phones every morning. I'm prospecting, calling every friend I know, uh, expired listings for sale by owners at and I had my first listing within six months. It was a mobile home in Smithville. So not too successful. But as I was learning the business, I was out studying and learning the market. And I met a gentleman that changed my life forever, uh, who I will forever be indebted to. His name is James Willoughby. Uh, and it was a happenstance meeting. Uh, long story behind that. I'm not going to tell it. But I went to work as his buyer's agent. He had so many leads coming in of people wanting to buy homes that he couldn't handle them. And so he gave them to me and then I just paid him a really high split, which means if I made a $10,000 commission, I got 4,000, he got 6,000, but I didn't care because he was handing me the leads. And in real estate, the hardest part is lead generation and finding the people to help buy and sell homes. And so I went to work for him he gave me a book called 30 Days to Success as a Buyer's Agent. That book was the foundation for basically the rest of my life. And in that book, it had me waking up at 6 a.m. and I had to do between 15 to 30 uh, things each day, activities each day, studying and learning contracts, previewing neighborhoods, lead generation, um, scripts and dialogues, prospecting. But in the beginning of it, it had mindset and I had to go through and I had to read these 25 affirmations four times each day out loud. I had to write in a notebook 25 times each day for 30 days. I will enjoy success through selling four homes per month. I had to visualize myself uh, attaining my goals and such. And I didn't know why I was doing it, but I realized I was at the end of that process when I started selling homes and I realized how I was thinking that I had shifted my entire unconscious way of thinking about myself. And that is what totally gave me the opportunity to reach heights of success in the real estate business that I never could have dreamed of at the age of 23. So um, that's how I got into real estate. That's a little bit of a long winded story about it, but um, it was amazing, you know, and I'm still indebted to James forever. He's fellow uh, South Austin guy and just an awesome person that I still love to this day. I love that story. This Thank is a you. bootstrap, pull yourself up, apply yourself. Now, if you had done those things with Amway, where would you? Yeah. I, you know, I, I still don't know if I would have been successful, Joel. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very familiar with Amway as people of a certain age are. You know, Amway was not financially successful, but it opened my mind to getting around yeah. leaders. It opened my mind to personal growth. It opened my mind to goal setting and to getting out of my comfort zone. And, and for that, you know, I am grateful for everything that's happened to me in my life. As I think back on it, a lot of challenging stuff, you know, a lot of challenging stuff in my life has happened. 
but uh, I'm thankful for all of it because it's made me who I am today. Well, what you mentioned early on, getting up, picking up the phone, and prospecting, uh, I come from a sales background, that phone weighs two tons. And the Still fact, today. Yeah. And the fact that you got up and you learned the discipline to do that is huge. That changes everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so um, you've been so in real estate since the late 90s. Yep. You've seen a lot of different things here. I mean, you went through the tech bust, obviously, in the early 2000s. The, yeah, 9-11. Um, yeah, 9-11. Um, I remember showing homes the day of 9-11 right in the morning as it was happening, and all of a sudden I was like, we, we were like, we got to go. That was a scary time. Yeah. The tech boom was an awesome time. 2000, when we had you know Y2K, that was scary, what was going to happen with everything. 2008, we had the mortgage meltdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, yeah, no, I can remember during the, uh, tech bust, uh, walking outside my house and just looking down the street and seeing 10 for sale signs, you know, yeah. just within my sight. And it, that was kind of a weird time here because, but this market to me has never really crashed per se. It, uh-uh. it pulls back, it gets slower at times, but it doesn't crash. No, we haven't seen a California crash. We haven't seen a Phoenix crash. We haven't seen a Las Vegas crash. We haven't seen that because Austin in general, since 1972 on average for 30 years had an average rate of appreciation of approximately 3%. So we don't have the wicked swings that, you know, 25, 50% up until now. Right. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Well, in the past, yeah. That's right. So um, let's go ahead and jump into that. I mean, we are definitely seeing the craziest times we've ever seen here. Um, just the stories I'm reading. You know, a couple guests ago, our guest was uh, a gentleman from the San Francisco Business Times who was talking yeah, to us that. Yeah, about everybody moving here, you know, and how it's just a steady stream and there's, there seems to be no end to it. So what do you, um, what do you make of this? And so here's the scary thing. Okay. Couple of personal scary thing, scary thing for Austin. Okay. Personal scary thing is I make a living by helping people buy and sell real estate. Right. This morning, I pulled up the inventory. There's 1,985 properties listed for sale in Austin, Texas right now. That is almost 60% below where we're at last year at this time. And I have never, I don't remember a time where there has ever been this low of inventory. There is 0.6 months of inventory, which means if nothing else came on the market and we continue to sell at the rate we're selling at now, that we would sell out within 0.6 months. So like in the next 15 days, we'd be sold out, okay? That is an extreme seller's market. So as a personal challenge, if I don't have homes to sell and I have buyers, it's tough. Here's the other side of it that's tough. Sellers, people that own homes, They'd love to make the 500000 they're going to make on the sale of their property, but where are they going to go? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So I've got this double-edged sword and, you know, this, this, hey, guys, you know, hey, you can make a lot of money selling your home right now. And they're like, well, where do we go? And do we have to deal with what we heard on the Circle C Facebook page the other day that there was 90 offers on a home in Round Rock and they sold it for 200000 over the asking price? And the answer is yes, you will. You will. And, th and that's tough um, because I feed my family by helping people buy and sell real estate. And so um, for sellers, um, again, the, you know, I was, I was talking with a group of top agents the other day and the message was, if you're selling, move out of Austin. <laughs> you know, if you're moving out of Austin, if you're going to Florida, if you're going to Kerrville, if you're going to San Antonio, um, sure, sell your home cash out. But if you're staying in Austin, it, it's tough because there's low inventory. And then when there is a house that you fall in love with, uh, just to, for instance, I walked into a house last Thursday, uh, had some clients walk into a house last Thursday and it was perfect for them. And I immediately said to them, you have to be thinking $100,000 over the asking price. <laughs> and by the end of the weekend, Okay, because now buy, sellers won't look at offers until, you know, Sunday or Monday when all of them have come in. By the end of the weekend, I got a text from the agent. She said, uh, this is going out to everyone that has shown the house or has offers in on the property. We currently now have 11 offers on the home. Ranging from $100,000 over, which is what I told my clients they needed to do, to $170,000 over the asking price. We have option periods, okay? Do you guys know what an option period is? Option is when you pay the seller an additional amount for the option to terminate the contract within a certain amount of time. Usually an option period pre, pre this crazy market was you know, $500 for eight to 10 days to pull the home off the market and allow you to do inspections. She said that they had people offering $10,000 for option money. I've never seen that. Higher earnest money I see, option fee, I don't see because you can lose that. You know, right. if, if something's wrong with the house, you're going to lose $10,000. So that's crazy. Um, but uh, it's, it's a difficult time now um, for that fact. And, and here's the other thing, what you talked about with the guy from San Francisco is they're coming here in hordes. I mean, droves, they're coming here. And uh, I have buyers in California and they want to buy in Austin and they can't. And they say, well, put me out in Liberty Hill or put me out in Leander or put me out in Round Rock. It's the same deal. Mm -hmm. Round Rock, um, Pflugerville, Leander, Liberty Hill, um, Bastrop, uh, Dripping Springs. These are areas that used to move at a much slower pace than Austin. Now they're, they're moving at just the same pace. There are builders that have their doors locked with notes on the door saying sold out or um, we have no inventory left. If you want to get on the late wait list, go to our, uh, go to our website and get on the wait list or call in and, and they will have literally, I talked to a builder the other week. She said, we have 15 to 20 homes coming available February 6th. She said, uh, it'll be on a, a first, uh, you'll get on the wait list and then we'll do an auction type of a deal. They had 350 people on the wait list. Oh my. For 20 homes. So what would so, that op option be like? I mean, would they actually try to get them to bid bid up the price exactly. of the house? 
Yes. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. For to be built homes. Okay. And to, what I mean by to be built is with a spec home, which is on the right. ground, you know, sometimes um, you can, you can negotiate on that, right? You don't negotiate. The only negotiating that's going on right now is how much are you willing to pay to get a home? And here's what I'm telling my clients and, and educating my clients on is if you can buy a home now, buy it. Okay. If it's not the home you love, buy it. but it is a home that you can get into and own, buy it. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, I bought I, I, just my own personal story. I sold my own home in uh, August. Been there for nine years, had a bidding war on it, sold it for way over the asking price. Um, fortunately, there was a gentleman that was a friend of mine that was sell that was going to be selling his house. And he heard that I was looking for a house in my same neighborhood with a pool. So he called me. He said, hey, Chad, I'm going to be selling my house next spring. Uh, and uh, I, I'm not going to move out of it till then. But I think it'd be perfect for you and your family. I think you'd love it. Why don't you come and take a look? I went and looked at it. I was like, I'll take it. Thank God. Because it was before all the craziness started. And so I bought this home. And I'm not living in it yet because I'm leasing it back to him. I could turn around right now and sell that house for probably 25% more than what I paid for it two and a half months ago. Wow. But I'm not going to because you I love the house and I need a place to live. With <laughs> yeah, if you don't live there, you're going to have to buy it again. Right. Yeah. So it, it's real interesting, guys. I, you know, it's a combination of we've got Tesla, Oracle, uh, BAE systems. We've got government. We've got college. We've got tech. We've got beautiful weather. We've got great culture. I mean, this is the city, man. Like we knew it and now the world is discovering it even more. And it's causing a, a very difficult situation. Well, you've been here long enough to remember Bob and I have been here long enough to remember where the city council would get together with uh, some future looking uh, plans. And it's like, no, we don't want people to move here. Let's not pass, you know, new roads. Let's not, you know, and it's like, if we don't build it, they won't come. Well, au contraire, <laughs> they're coming. I so, know. So let me ask you this. Uh, how how is it for land? People selling land versus houses is it kind of the same thing? Do you know anybody, yeah. Joel, that needs to, an answer to that question? Well, we're, I, I'm just I'm asking for a friend. Yes, <laughs> I got some land in Florida. If you want to buy it, um, <laughs> um, it, it's pretty much the same. I mean, you can, if you wait, wait, if you can get your hands on, uh, you know, commercials even taken off. If you can get your hands on real estate in Austin, Texas right now, um, it, you, or you own real estate in Austin, Texas, whether it's land, a commercial building, a, a residential home, a duplex, a condo. Condos actually, um, downtown condos, it's interesting. Downtown condos, a little tougher sell right now. So um, why is that? Uh, I think it's because of the nightlife, the fact that, you know, a lot of people, they move downtown because they want to go to the bars, they want to do this, and, and all the bars and stuff are kind of shut down. So 
Um, I think that is affecting that market slightly, but I have not checked on that today. So I can't tell you for sure if that has not shifted as well. I love that you say today because it uh, might be different in oh, a couple hours. Yeah. That I check it every day, man. I One of the affirmations I never gave up was I study and learn my market and I'm constantly, you know, I, I think it's one of the most important things I do as a professional agent is to study and learn in mar the market so that if you come to me and we sit down at your house, Joel, if you do need to sell. Um, <laughs> do you know anybody? <laughs> that's my, that's my question. I ask everyone. Yeah. To buy or sell real estate. Um, I believe it is my ultimate fiduciary duty to help you a get your home in the best condition to get you the best price, and b to understand the market so that we price it correctly, so that we drive the price to the highest point that we can get it to. So I'm constantly studying, learning the market. So it's changing that fast. Yeah, that's amazing. I wanted to ask a question about the um, the condos and stuff like that because. Yeah, I've been reading some stuff, and it seems like anybody that's not coming from the West Coast, you know, is coming from the East Coast, and they want land. They want to get a. They don't want to live next to anybody anymore. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a question there? Oh well, I was just wondering if you were seeing the same thing, and then you know, what percentage of people are those people that are you know because. They're obviously not interested in anything like that. That's what they're moving away from. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the demand for the, the demand for anything with any land is is huge. You know, Dripping Springs used to be the place where if someone came to me and they said, "Hey, we want to we want to get a house with some land, and you know, we'd like to have some space between us and the neighbors." Dripping Springs, Liberty Hill, Georgetown, um, out in the Hutto, Mainer. Elgin type areas, Bastrop, you know, um, those, those places are just as equally as in demand right now. So, yeah. Sure. And then I guess my other question is from our West coast friends that are coming here. Um, you know, they say this all seems cheap to them, but at the rate they're driving the prices up and paying over a hundred thousand or 200,000 more, how long, how much longer is it cheap? Not for long. Not for long. I don't know because I was not part of it. I don't know what it was like when Silicon Valley was driven. This has got to be a lot like that. This has got to be a lot like that. On that same call that I, uh, that I was talking uh, to um, a bunch of other top agents about what was going on in the market. How can we serve our clients at the highest level? How can we make things happen in this market for, for our clients and for people? Um, one of the gentlemen told me that he had a listing 1.2 million up in Northwest Hills. If you're familiar up mm -hmm. off stack area, mm -hmm. $1.2 million, 2,500 square feet with a pool, um, got an offer 24 hours after going on the market, 175,000 over the asking price. He was like, man, it was Friday. I told my client, you know what? I mean, this is, this is too good to be true. You know, we, we might want to sign this. Seller said no. Sold it for $335,000 over the asking price. Good. So my point is, 
is it going to a i mean here's here's where i'm thinking my heart is with musicians i love live music i love the music business i love the singers i love the bands i i love them i i support them where are they going to live mm-hmm. we're going to push them all out there's not going to be a $300,000 house in this even $300,000 houses are selling for $100,000 to $200,000 over the asking price. Um, so I, I think you're right, you know, uh, Robert. I, I, I think that it's, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't see, I don't predict or see a crash of the market. I don't see that anywhere to anytime soon. No. Um, but, you know, I... I just, I feel, I feel for myself. I feel for you. I feel for, I mean, you know, it's going to be all right for Elon because he's got unlimited income, but for those of us that, you know, are, you know, it's, it's not easy, you know? So I was (laughs) going to, um, I wanted to ask about that. Uh, God, now I'm forgetting because I was trying to be funny and I shouldn't have done that. But before we get back like, to the oh. music, the music part, and I, I definitely know Joel wants to um, participate in that. We both have questions for you on that. But I, you know, the internet was all buzz this week with that letter that guy wrote that moved from uh, San Diego to Austin and then moved back and said, "Oh, it's horrible, it's terrible." You know, all these things oh, I, I told hear you. About oh, you haven't seen that? It's no. It's been all over the place. It was in the International Business Times. And I'm living under a rock, I guess. It got picked up in, by the UK papers and stuff like that because they were talking about how Austin was the number one place to move to. And this guy moved here in, I guess, 06, I mean, 16 or 17. And he's already moved back and just thought Austin was the worst thing ever. You know, he said, you know, they tell you it's cheap. It's not you know, he um, he was complaining about the property taxes, which everybody does here. Um, yeah. You know, complained about the heat, uh, complained about how everybody was interested in nothing but football, you know, and he just had this litany of complaints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it just came out as he was, oh, but my favorite, my absolute favorite was the one where he complained you know, anything they wanted to do, they had to get on a list to do it. They had to get a, a an appointment or a list, you know, like if they wanted to go to Enchanted Rock or they wanted to go to Hamilton Pool. I'm thinking that's because of you guys. You know, yeah. we never used to have to do that. So, you know, you, you created your own problem as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah, you'll have to go find that article because I think you'll find it humorous. But he just got destroyed on the Internet. <laughs> I bet. I, I still think, you know, I still love this city. Uh, I will always love it. Uh, my kids ask me, well, dad, will, will you ever move away from Austin, Texas? I said, you know, I'd love to have a house in Colorado. My wife loves Colorado. I'd love to have a house in Colorado, maybe a place somewhere in the, on the West Coast, you know, where all the Californians are leaving. Um, maybe maybe real estate will get real estate will get cheap out there. Yeah. yeah. You know, we'll buy out there. <laughs> well, I mean, we complain about our taxes, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I can't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> if you were ever going to move away. 
your kids asked if you were going to move. Yeah. I, anyway, I, I love this city. I think it's amazing. And, um, oh yeah, they were asking if I'd ever move away. I'd never move away from Austin. I love it here. Well, let's talk about the music thing for a minute because I see Joel's eyes lighting up. He's ready to talk. <laughs> well, and you know, you talk about that very thing. It, it is a hot topic among, okay, I have to preface this. I'm a musician. Okay, then I have to preface that. I, can I preface this and ask you guys a question? This sure, is my sure. favorite question to ask anyone in the world. First goes to you, Joel. Who is your favorite band in the world ever on the planet in the universe? Wow. Who came to mind? Oh, well, okay. There's different ways to mm -hmm. do this. I, I have to go with the Beatles. If, that I, came to mind. if I had to pick a band and it's, I like the music, I am in awe of the influence that they had on the entire genre. They created an entire style of music. They were the most in innovative. Now, having said all of those things, uh, you ask a really hard damn question. Well, who's the band you were just talking about? The Beatles. Oh, okay. For me, Deadhead. Uh -oh. Are you really? Robert? Um, I would have to say the one that I, I enjoyed the most was The Who. Mm. Nice. No, you too, guy. Yeah, well, I, I, I like them, you know, as a current band, but I'm just saying if I were going influential and and just kind of what I thought changed music a lot, similar to The Beatles, it would be The Who. Okay. Yeah. All right, that was my question. Right. So you're a deadhead. Did you ever travel? Did you ever go oh. follow all over, man. Did you? I, when I was 13 years old, I saw my first show. And then for the next eight years before Jerry died, I saw him, you know, I, I'm the old 80 to 100 show guy. I, you know, me and my buddies would travel all over the Midwest. Saw him in California, Las Vegas, Arizona, Alpine Valley, Wisconsin, Indiana, all over. Your esteem in my eyes has just skyrocketed. Oh, you're so <laughs> anyway, now they've, so now they've the reformed after Jerry died. You know, I didn't really see him yep. for 20 years, but in 2015, they're kind of reformed with John Mayer on guitar and they're playing as Dead and Company now. And I've taken my wife to about 25 shows in the past four years and oh she's my. become a Dead. <laughs> John Mayer is an incredible guitarist. He's amazing. Yeah. I saw him at uh, Eric Clapton's big guitar awesome. wingding up in Dallas. Nice. So I moved here to play music in 81, and that has been my passion. It was my avocation and my vocation for decades. And among my musician friends, the topic of how the hell do we live here yeah. has been, uh, been on discussed actually this whole time because this has been a great place to play it's been real hard to make a living here yeah number one and then number two it's hard to live here because you of the cost of living now and so yeah. i have a lot of friends that are moving to arkansas or moving to uh and and not so radically to bastrop to uh blanco you know uh there's always the talk of, I can't even rent a house. I, you know, yeah. you know, I can't rent a room. 
I think it was interesting. Uh, there's a guy, his name's Eric Tesmer, very incredible guitarist. But uh, one of my friends started managing him. And uh, she said, yeah, he's living in about a four by six room in this, you know, like, like barely a prison cell, you know, and, and he can barely afford that, you know. Um, it's tough, man. I, I want to help them any way that I can. Um, and, and it's even harder now because they can't make money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Playing shows. Yeah. And the whole live stream thing has unfortunately kind of run its course. Yeah. Uh, there are some people who are still being successful at it, uh, but it's just not the same as you well knew. Talk about your involvement with Black Fret. Yeah. So as I said, music is my life. It's my passion. I love being in the front row at a show. So the live stream, I love the live stream, but I want to be up against the speaker uh, with a bunch of people dancing and having fun and feeling the energy, you know? Um, so many years ago, 2011 or 12, I was invited to an event at the Spider House Ballroom on the University of Texas campus. It was being put on by a group called Black Fret, and they were a charity organization that was just getting off the ground, founded by uh, some of the guys that did uh, Austin Music Foundation. And they, I went to this event, and I first of all, I saw a band called Quiet Company with now, my now friend Taylor Muse on, on that lead, who's blew me away. Amazing show. But there was two guys there, Matt Ott and Colin Kendrick. And they said, Chad, we hear you're a big uh, live music fan. Uh, we are the founders of this organization. We'd like to take you to lunch. Uh, we hear, you know, you might be interested in being part of this. <clears throat> well, I went to lunch with them and they told me, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have memberships and people will pay a thousand to $1,500 for a membership. We'll put on parties and shows kind of like you saw on Saturday night for all of our members. Um, at the beginning of the year, all of our members will nominate bands. They'll nominate their favorite bands in Austin. And we will whittle down the nominations to the most highly nominated bands and we'll pick 20 of them. And they will pay parties for us over the course of the year, private parties. And at the end of the year, we're going to have what is called the black ball. And we will give away all of the money that we raise from memberships to the band members and they will be able to use it to buy gear, produce an album, go on a tour, whatever they want to use it for, they could use it for. Um, and it supported the musicians and it's a beautiful organization. We are now um, nine years into it, I guess. And uh, this past year, even with the pandemic, they gave away over $250,000 to the artists. Um, it's been a huge, I mean, it's just perfect for Austin. Perfect for me, perfect for Austin. Uh, we have a ton of members. They've expanded it to Seattle now. Um, and if you get a chance, check it out at blackfret.org. It's, it's just a really great organization, but we need to support our musicians right now. If you know a musician, if you're their friend, uh, if you go on their way, just support them. You know, I, I was on the phone with a buddy of mine today. He said, you know, you're a big uh, music fan. Why don't you call and call five of your musical friends and just see how they're doing. And I was like, that's a great idea. So here's what you can do. What's that? You can do it right now is uh, host a front yard concert. Yeah. Would you guys you know? do you live in Circle C? Robert, yeah. do you live in Circle C? Yes. You do? Okay. For 
almost 20 years now, I've been doing an event called Rock and Restock. Okay. I started it as a way to uh, bring all of my, as a client appreciation party. And I went to this event down in San Antonio, this real estate event, this seminar, this woman was speaking on stage. She says, every year I do a, um, I do a client appreciation party and I bring wine and cheese and I pay for everything. And everyone that's there, all my past clients and friends and stuff, they have one thing in common. I help them buy or sell real estate. I was like, that's brilliant. But I'm not a wine and cheese guy and I live in Austin, Texas. So I came home, I sat down with my partner at that time. I said, we need to do a, you know, something. And we just started throwing ideas. And I said, let's do a concert. And uh, I took it to my team and they said, okay, well, let's, let's do a concert. Let's have it benefit something. And at the time it was Christmas and the central Texas food bank at Christmas time, their stock, their shelves get depleted and they have to restock them. That was the birth of rock and restock. It is our annual client appreciation party. It is our annual um, benefit for the central Texas food bank. Um, we've been doing it for 20 years and, um, you know, it started out, I had 150 people there. Guy Forsyth played, Lavelle White played, amazing. And uh, we raised about $1,500 uh, for the food bank. Now uh, we do it down at the Belmont normally and we, it sells out with over a thousand people. We've had Shaky Graves, the Black Pumas, Paul Cawthon, um, Tamika Jones, uh, Ian Moore. I mean, just amazing acts, right? So fun. Uh, favorite day of the year. This year, we had to pivot because we couldn't do it. And my wife said, we need to do it. She says, we need to do it for the musicians. We need to do it for the food bank and we need to do it for music fans. She says, here's what we're gonna do. We are going to hire the musicians, 10 of them. We're going to put them online. We're gonna auction them off through Facebook for two weeks. At the end of the two weeks, whoever has the highest bid and we've already paid the artists, right? We paid them up front so that they get money in their pocket. Whoever gets the highest bid the artist will go to their house. They'll play a front yard, socially distanced concert. And so we did that this year. And then in Circle C, Robert, I wish I would have known you back then because I did it in Circle C uh, in November uh, or October. I did Rock and Restock Circle C. I did it down. I couldn't believe they'd let me do it. It was down at the community center. Right. I had the Waters. I had Graham Wilkinson and I had Drew, uh, Drew Davis. And there was about 300 people there and everyone was socially distanced all around the park and we ended up raising uh this year almost twelve thousand dollars for the food bank so wow. nice that that's impressive thank for you. a year like good this. on you thank you for doing that hey, speaking for every musician in austin <laughs> yeah. i love to support them I, I love musicians joel i think they're just I, I love people i love people i love musicians just a little more okay well we deserve <laughs> it <laughs> yeah Joel needs it more than most. <laughs> I can tell. So, um, no, you know, that, that's great because you found ways to do stuff when it looks like, you know, everybody's just trying to have to scramble and, and figure out what to do and, and to be able to do something like that still because it doesn't mean any less people need it out there just because you're having a harder time collecting it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's... I know. Amazing. Um, so there was one more question I wanted to ask you about the real estate and, and you kind of answered it, but I know it's like a completely different game for you now. So as far as, you know, you said a little something about uh, being a buyer's agent 
Yeah. And what would you recommend to a seller? I mean, it must be much easier for you now as it, when the person's a seller. <laughs> oh, well, well here, here's the deal about, here's what they see in real estate. The listers last, okay? Meaning if, Ro- if Robert calls me and says, hey, I need to put my home up for sale, that's called a listing, right? Right. The great listing agents, which I pride myself on being, um, those are the ones that last because when you have the listings, you're able to control the market a little more. But here's what I tell a seller. A, hire a great freaking agent. Like there is a difference and there is a difference between an agent that is your brother-in-law that just got his license and someone with 25 years of experience. I swear to you, it can mean thousands of dollars in your pocket. So number one, hire a great agent. Number two, don't believe just because the market is insane that you should not prepare your home. Prepare your house like, so for instance, I have a system. I'm very systematic and very process driven. You call me on the phone, Joel. I pick up the phone. You say, I want to list my home. I say, excellent. And it's like a computer program gets pushed in my head and the program starts running. Okay. And everything happens the exact same way almost every single time. I can do it in my sleep. It's like being a musician and being able to play the guitar where it's just, you don't have to look at the strings anymore. It's, it's, so it allows me to be more creative and better at what I do. Um, but part of that system is telling my clients, whether it's you or your cleaners, get down on your hands and knees and scrub the baseboards. Have the windows clean, power wash the exterior, freshen up the beds, make it look stunning. And then we take the pictures and then we put it on the market on a Thursday because then it's a brand new listing for the weekend. And then we hold open houses Saturday and Sunday. And we drive traffic and hopefully Sunday night we're looking at offers and we drive that price up to get you the best price possible. Do not, even in this market, think that just because you own a home and you put it on the market that you're going to get the best price for it. You will get a good price. But if you want to maximize that price, find the right person, take you through the right process and get that home in the best condition possible. That's my advice. Cool. Yeah. So, I know you and I are a, bunch, a part of the same Facebook groups and there's some I'll tell you off the air that you might want to look into but that um, are rather interesting, rather give you a rather interesting insight into what's go, you know, what's being chattered about out there about Austin you know, yeah. and what might be coming our way. But I noticed yeah. even in our, in our own little Circle C one, uh, it's becoming more and more people going, I just moved here. I need somebody to build a fence. I just moved here. Yeah. I need somebody to yeah. remodel my kitchen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who can clean a pool? Yeah. Oh, and then the, then the, the thread that was the funny one was the big uh, complaint about the backlog to get a pool. <laughs> oh yeah that one got yeah. pretty humorous um you know it's like six years to get a full no yeah. um so what we like to do with our guest is uh, you know we like to have a little fun and and just kind of pick your brain about some things and just see what you think and i don't know you know if you've been forewarned in any way but you know let's let's Hit give me. me some thought so I 
changed one of my questions. We One of the things we like to ask people is, what do you like to do on your off time where you like to go here in Austin? Awesome. You know where I like to go with my wife hmm. when we can? Clark's Oyster Bar. You oh, guys yeah? like oysters? Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you been to Clark's? No. Yeah. Where is it? Oh. It's on it's on Sixth Street. It's right now, it's right down from Z Tejas. Mm-hmm. Bring your checkbook, <laughs> your credit card, because yeah. it's expensive, but it's awesome. Um, my wife Tina Goldwasser, most amazing woman on the planet, besides your wives, if you have them, I'm sure. Um, we love to go there. <laughs> we love to go to Clark's Oyster Bar. Um, you know, I love to exercise. I love to run and I love to keep my butt. I have been lazy as hell lately. I feel really bad. I need to get back into that. Um, and I love music, as you know. So uh, honestly, I've been going to a lot of concerts. Uh, they're coming back. Uh, I've, uh, you know, you got to pay a thousand dollars for a table, but, you know, I'm willing to do it for some acts, you know, um, and it's socially distanced and you're not dancing and up front like I like to be, but uh, it's, it's awesome. So um, I love to go see live music. I have three beautiful children and two great stepchildren. Um, and I love spending time with them. Um, so uh, those are, those are my main things. And then helping people buy and sell real estate, man. Cool. I also, uh, I also uh, like to um, spend a lot of time down at town Lake. you know? Right. So uh, based on our guests last week, I, I changed up one of our questions a little bit or, you know, um, give me your three favorite brec- favorite breakfast tacos. <laughs> three favorite breakfast tacos. Ooh, this is a good question. I'll go with Waterloo, Ice House, mm-hmm. flour tortilla, egg white, ham, and jalapeno. Yummy. Um, I will also go second place at the same place, Waterloo Ice House. Uh, they have uh, the classic taco, and it's got eggs, um, uh, hash browns, and sausage in it, and cheese. It's so good. And then number three, I'll give to Taco Deli, just a straight up black bean and cheese taco. Good one. Nice. Taco Deli rocks. Yeah, Taco Deli is awesome. And they're, they're green, that super hot green. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, jet fuel. So (laughs) other than um, traffic, which everybody says, you know, what's the biggest change you've seen since you've moved here? It could be the personality, of course, or the skyline traffic, the price of real estate. Um, Yeah. And I would say the, 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 the people haven't changed. I mean, people here are awesome. I I love the people in Austin. I think, um, but yeah, I would say the skyline, the price of things, um, and um, you know, uh, some of the some of the classic places. You know, the changes that I've seen over the past year that have hurt me a little bit in the heart. Threadgills, big right. time. Um, uh, what was the place down on uh, uh, Barton Springs here where we did Thursday night? Uh, Barton Springs, the restaurant. Oh yeah. Um, um, what the heck was it called? Shady Grove. Yes. Yes. Shady Grove. Hayden, I hated seeing that one go. And uh, yeah, you know, it, the, the, the hammer's really going to fall on my head when uh, it, if the Saxon closes, 
And if the Continental closes, man, that, that, that'll kill my heart. Yeah. I mean, those would be huge losses. And I don't think that we can stress to people enough that, you know, a lot of things have happened over this year because of the pandemic. And, you know, a lot of these places were, were kind of on the verge because of the growth here and, and what it was costing them to keep open. And then this has just pushed it over the edge. So we need to always support those businesses because that's what keeps Austin, Austin. Yeah, I agree. So I'm going to jump in. Bob usually asks this question, but I'm really curious. What advice would you give someone who was thinking of moving to Austin? Has and nothing to do with real estate. What advice would I give someone to, that was moving to Austin? And it doesn't have to do with real estate. I mean, I would just say, you know, figure out where you want to live, um, drive the city, learn the neighborhoods, learn the areas, um, learn what is fun to you. Think about what is fun to you and find a space where you can live and you can be able to get to all those things. Austin is such a, when you think about it, a small community, a small city still, even though we've become this big city, uh, we're a small city still, so you can get all over the place. But I still, you know, right now as I'm uh, waiting for my home to be ready, I'm living downtown right across from my office, right next to Uchi in an apartment down here right now, just waiting for my new house. Um, and I love being down here, man. It's like, I, I, now I got to go back to Circle C, which I love Circle C, love Circle C, but it's just so fun to be around here. So that's what I would tell them. Just really learn the areas and determine a good place for you um, to set yourself up so that you can have a successful life here in Austin. Okay, that's fair enough. Speaking of that, what you just said, a little side note about Circle C. I got a little freaked out the other day because I saw the house listed in Mer Murrayfield. That's 1.2 million. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the pictures? Yeah. I was like, if you're going to put a $1.2 million price tag on your home, make it look good. That did not look good on the internet. I'm sorry to the agent that is the owner of the property as well, but my gosh, if you're going to go for it, go for it, but make it look good. I know, but that, that scared me. I'm like, you could put that on for 1.2 million. I'm like, uh, oh, ooh. <laughs> another, one just, another one just came on for 950 in that same neighborhood. That's called Muirfield at Circle C. Another one came on at 950 over there, um, which looks equally as nice with the pool. Yeah. So um, our final question, this is always our funnest one, is since you've lived in Austin, what's the weirdest thing you've seen since we're Keep Austin oh, Weird? my God. <laughs> <laughs> my kids almost killed me. I'm walking uh, my wife and I are driving down uh, across the bridge on South Lamar to, to the bridge to go over the, over the river. And it was last year. And, uh, oh God. and all of a sudden she's like, Oh my God. And I look over and there is a woman, 250, 275, walking down the street, buck naked. Of course. <laughs> And so I'm on Instagram <laughs> stories and I'm like, oh my God. And I just, I just for a second, you know, I wasn't like, oh, look at this. My kids immediately texted me like, take that down. <laughs> that was the weirdest thing. And of course I miss Leslie. Leslie oh. was the weirdest.
weirdest thing about Austin that ever could be. What a great human being that was. Yep. Eclectic. Well, and Leslie is, is kind of in our Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. he is. But this is the first one I've heard about this uh, healthy yeah. woman walking right. nature-wise. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we normally get a lot of Leslie and a lot of uh, naked bicycle guy. But yeah, yeah <laughs> you came out left field a little bit there with that one. Um, so, hey, Chad, it's been great talking to you today. Um, you know, we'd like to have you back on at some point to update us when the, you know, but the market, um, I don't know how much it's going to change anytime soon, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit uh, when we're saying our goodbyes. Um, so, but for right, Joel, do you have well, something? Let oh. us know if uh, you're doing any black fret or any of your, you know, rock and restock things. Uh, we'd yeah. be glad to somehow get involved with you. Yeah, I will. I'm going to be doing another rock. I'm actually going to start, uh, hopefully, a series down in Circle C. Joel, do you live in Circle C too? Uh, halfway to Dripping Springs. Got it. I can uh, see Circle C from my porch. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to work on uh, getting another event put together for Circle C here, another rock and restock type of a thing. I, I kind of want to do a series out there uh, if they're willing to let me do it. Um, you know, it's a great way to bring everyone together. It's a great way to get people out of their homes. We can socially distance and we can raise money for different uh, different organizations if we choose to. So I'll definitely let you know what happens with that. That'd be great. Yeah. So, um, Chad, give us uh, give us your plugs. What do you want to plug? Realty, uh, Chad Goldwasser. If you're ever looking to buy or sell real estate, 512-750-8333. Uh, .com. Uh, I believe one of the best agents on the planet. That is just my belief. It's not conceit or it's just my belief because I love people and I love what I do and I'm passionate about it. I've dedicated my life to it. Um, I also do a lot of speaking and teaching. Uh, sales. Uh, I've written two books, Some Assembly Required, a Networking Guide for Real Estate and Restart, uh, Seven Proven Keys to Unlock Your Potential, which is on my website, chadgoldwasser.com. And uh, that's it, man. If I can ever help you guys with anything, you let me know. It's really great being on your show. Yeah, it's fun having you. Joel, you got anything you need to plug this week? Well, yeah, actually, playing Solaro Winery on February 13th. Nice. A live gig. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to practice and shave. and. What kind of music? Um, anything. <laughs> Notes for bucks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's like kind it. of the Americana, Paul Simon meets Jimmy Buffett kind of thing. Nice. I love yeah. it. You're going to have to get a haircut before then, too, I'm thinking. Oh, that's not going to happen. Not until the pandemic's over. Your wife hasn't come at Kathy hadn't come at you with some clippers going, let me do it, let me do it. <laughs> no, she likes having a strange man in the house. Ah. <laughs> well, that's uh, all for this time, folks. Um, we are going to wrap it up there. And did you have something, Joel? No, I'm just happy to be here. Okay. Thanks, Jan. It's a real pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see you next time on the trail to Austin. Bye-bye. <laughs>